chicken farmers and cattle ranchers go vegan and are in the process of transforming their entire business into a vegan business. What we're going to do in this episode is dive into their minds and talk about their perspective, what it was like for them being farmers for 18 years. You know, it's very easy for us to talk about what it's like being a farmer, what it's like for the animals, all, all, all these things. But really what we're going to have here is a first-hand experience of many of the things that we're debating in the community. On top of that, we're going to talk about where they're going, what they're creating, and the change that's to come. What we're going to do today is an episode that I'm so, so, so excited about. You're probably really excited about this too. I'm so excited. Um, because we are here with Jennifer and Rodney Barrett, who used to be farmers. They used to be chicken farmers, also had uh, cows on this property, had a cow-calf operation, and they transformed uh, themselves into vegans, and they're transforming this place into a vegan business. So uh, this is really exciting. And to give you an idea of the scale, uh, 100,000 chickens would come through here every 52 days. Uh, so that's the scale of the operation here. And this is basically where America's chicken comes from, quote unquote. You know, when people in the United States eat chicken, whether it be at a fast food or buying the, the grocery store at a restaurant, this is basically the place it comes from. And having a place like this transform into a vegan business is something that's like not heard of. Not heard of. Never been done before. Never. On this scale. You know, we have Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, which is a cattle ranch that turned into a sanctuary, but never before we had an operation of this scale transforming. So this is super, super exciting. Super exciting. That's why we're here. We're here also representing um, the Ranchers Advocacy Program, which will support them in making this transition. And another reason why this is so exciting is because this thing that's about to happen, this transformation is going to serve as a model for other farms to transform as well. Absolutely. One of the things that we talk about in the community, and we talked about this with the Barrett's as well over the past few days, is that no one is excited about working in animal agriculture day, in, especially in huge farming operations. I mean, no one's excited about working in those environments. That's something we talk a lot about in the community. But really, one thing that's important to understand is that even though they may not like it, it's not easy to just transition out of that or to get out of that. And so what we're going to do is, you know, transform this place. And again, it's going to serve as a model for what's possible in the future. So super, super excited about that. And the reason it's going to transform as a model and become a model for the future is because, you know, uh, the Ranchers Advocacy Program is totally committed to doing whatever we have to do to go wherever we need to go to help people just like y'all uh, get out of the quagmire of decisions and heartache that you feel when you are doing everything you can to do the right thing and you just do not have the money to do it. That's what we're committed to do. We have a team of experts. We have so much data we've collected. Our three main tracks are wind farms, solar farms, and veganic farms. And so what we've been here talking to the Barrett's about here over the last couple of days is those three tracks and how committed they are to going the route of a mushroom farm, 
hemp farm and really, really exploring how necessary it is to go veganic in this model because the future is veganic. You know, one of the things that's real important to know is that organic vegans is not vegan. What? I mean, when you really think of organic, it's not vegan. It's got, you know, cow poop, okay? It's got cow poop. It's got blood in it. It's got feathers in it. It's got decomposed flesh in it. Uh, no telling what all is in organic matter called compost. But we know for a fact that veganic agriculture is going to be the future. It absolutely is void of any animal inputs. So we have to start transitioning and moving in that direction. And we've been spending the last 48 hours sitting down with the Barretts and talking to them about this very important topic. So why don't we just segue for a minute and let y'all talk about your vision and your dream of what you want to do. And, you know, just let's start there. Your vision and your dream. And then we're going to also talk about your story. All right. Well... First of all, we've been here for 18 years in animal agriculture, and, and uh, we love what we do. You know, we, we love animals. We, we don't have anything against animals at all. Uh, that's why we take care of them, and that's why we do what we do is because we love what we do. The uh, problem is that uh, based on uh, health, nutrition, some of the things that uh, we've learned in the past all oh, six, seven years, eight years, probably, uh, it's changed our way of thinking as far as agriculture goes. And we have figured out and learned that what we're doing with the animals is just overmaxing ground. They're. Uh, the numbers that you have to run to be able to sustain a farm of this size, it, in a lot of cases, tends not to cash flow correctly, and uh, you're always you're always trying to catch up. It seems like you know it, for for 18 years that's what we did. We chased our tail and kept the bills paid best we could, and got to the point to where we ended up ill, and. Changed our way of thinking to 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 health and healing the earth, and it's brought us to this point with the Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, uh, trying to get some help to feed some cows, to take care of our our land, and change our farm to growing plant based in the vegan industry where we know that everything is going to be completely and totally organic and healthy to the point uh, of, of no animal inputs. But at the same time, we can pull a full circle closed loop system in that will also house uh, animals to be fed on this farm to in a sanctuary type form and we can be part of the solution. Yes. Uh, and, and a role model, uh, a pilot program that we can build on to expand this to great numbers, hopefully. Uh, you know, that's what we're reaching for. Show other people. To show everybody that things can be done. They can, be, they can still be farmers. They can still take care of animals that need to be taken care of. 
but do it in a more compassionate way where they're not going to slaughter because it's not necessary. No. And uh, people think that animal protein is necessary to live, and I have found out in my experience in the last seven years that that is a true fact. Uh, healing ulcerative colitis, uh, which I was diagnosed in uh, 2011, told that I had two years to live if I didn't take medicine the rest of my life, and I have proved it wrong uh, based on my diet. And that's what that kind of education coming from world renowned heart surgeons to uh, uh, psychologists. Uh, I mean, you can reach as far as you want to for the education if you're just willing to go out there and reach and get it because it's there. The studies have been done, the proof is, is it's solid credential information. And, uh, that's where we're at today. We're at the beginning stages of transforming this farm for others to be able to look at as a as a pilot program, something that we can build on that others can follow and reduce so many different problems that comes from big animal agriculture. And you are absolutely right. You are going to be a beacon of light. It's going to be like a lighthouse, not on a hill, but on the top of the freaking planet. <laughs> and everybody is going to see this light. Uh, just like they're going to see the star love light, the one in Texas that's also transitioning. Just like they see, you know, the rowdy girl, the rowdy girl sanctuary light. But you know what? We are mostly involved with this program, the Rancher Advocacy Program, because I began to get these calls. I began to get these messages over and over in the course of the last several years from people just like y'all, you know, pleading, what do I do? I feel just like you do. I do love animals and I'm a farmer. I understand, you know, and, and nobody else understands us. Can you please, please help us? So it would be great to elaborate, I think, uh, for people to understand, because I tell y'all this all the time, right, Ryuji? Mm -hmm. That ranchers and farmers love animals, and they have to send them to slaughter. This is, this is part of the worst, the hardest thing for real vegans out there in the world to understand, is that ranchers love animals and have to do what they got to do. We did that. I watched my husband do it. And when we talked to a star love, you know, they said the same thing. And now we're here talking to you. Can you talk a little bit on that? Right. When we moved here, uh, I was in high school. We moved here in 87 with my family. And um, I learned about the chicken operation. It was a whole new venture for our family. Um, we never, you know, my dad worked in the oil field. So we lived in suburbia. So farming was a whole new thing. And um, I'd grown up loving animals uh, my whole life. And when we decided to take on the farming operation, um, we started to learn, you know, how it works. And, uh, uh, you know, just from what I knew, I thought, we ate chicken. And so it was like, oh, this is how they're raised. This is how it's done. And so learning the process of it and everything was just kind of like this methodical, this is how we raise them. But the first batch that showed up, those babies showed up and, and being a, teenager then it was shocking to first to see how many went in the house went in each house it was crazy you know they came in in crates and we just you know hundred you know i think back then we were raising sixty thousand at a time mm -hmm. wow and uh 69 yeah sixty nine thousand mm -hmm. in our yeah in our old operation when i was in high school and um 
learning about the 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 process of growing them, but it was still just it was shocking to me. And I remember talking to friends and stuff that lived in the city when I would go visit my cousins, and they were like, "What? How many chickens? Like, you know, people just don't associate where their chicken comes from. Even back then, nobody understood. And um, but I remember the first time that the chickens were sold for slaughter, the very first batch of chickens that we raised here on this farm when I was fifteen. 14, wow. um, that I sat in my bedroom and I just cried and cried, um, knowing that they were going to all die. They were all, all going to be slaughtered, but that was yet another thing that was part of farming and that I, it was the way it is. This is what I was told. That's what God put them here for. That's what they're here for. If you want to be a farmer, if you want to be here on this farm, you're going to have to basically pull up your big girl pants and get over it because this is what they're here for. Yeah, and uh, I've I've lived with that belief um, my whole life until just a few years ago, when Rodney and I started on our journey to get healthier because of his uh, very scary diagnosis. Um, and I was suffering from depression, obesity, high blood pressure. I was um, and. So when I started trying to help him, I actually started helping myself and just researching, researching, trying to find the best. We started eliminating like processed food, started feeling better. I uh, started working out. Rodney's ulcerative colitis stayed in remission most of the time. And until 2016 in May, we did a, um, a three-week program where we went vegan. And it was just this kind of fun thing to do. Let's challenge ourselves and see if we can do it. And by the end of the three weeks, even like after the first week, after we detoxed a little bit, it was insane how amazing we felt. And when we got to the end of that 21 days, um, it was just so stunning to me to see how it felt to live in a body that was fueled that way, that it was that simple and that I had been that close to it my whole life. That I had been three weeks away from feeling that good my whole life. You know, and... um, What a great way to look at it. Yes. So, um, then that raised a million questions Mm -hmm. uh, about why we were uh, farming the way that we were. And I remember after we had gone through that three-week program, I was standing in the chicken house. Um, It was the day before they were going to sell they were going to slaughter. And I remember just standing there and weeping, knowing that they were all going to die. And for what? That it was so unnecessary. I, I had never, I, I thought that my job was this great American dirty job. It was good, honorable work. And, and then to realize that, oh, what I'm doing is not, it's hurting me. It's hurting my family. It's hurting you guys that I was selling it to. <laughs> Um, and then to, we started watching documentaries and finding out what it was doing to the earth. And then when I started finding out, you know, started watching slaughterhouse footage and things like that, and I could associate the, um, their individuality. I, I let my sentimentality about animals start to to unfurl. Yes. Which was very, very difficult. It was very, very hard. Um, but I just came to that realization that they are individuals. They have the right to live. They feel pain. They suffer. So having that knowledge and then going to work and sending cows to slaughter and sending chickens to slaughter and being in the chicken facilities and seeing this daily suffering and what they were... When you think about it, when you think about how a chicken is raised um, 
in their own feces, breathing feces. Um, it, it's a terrible existence. Uh, and so unnecessary. So um, it was just very difficult to kind of come to grips with that. And I thought for a while, I thought I could just be the hypocrite. I'll, I'll be a vegan who raises chickens. I <laughs> love that. When I read that, I was like, wow, I remember yeah. feeling just like that. Yes. And, um, you know, that it was just this weird paradoxical thing. And, you know, but it turns out I couldn't live with it. Now, I remember feeling, I remember, you know, you bring up a real about valid point. Because when you sent me that letter, just to give you a little backstory, you know, Sean Munson uh, with... Earthlings, Unity, and Dominion. Uh, if any of you have seen that, you know who Sean is. He's the one that introduced me to this amazing couple a few weeks ago via text. He called me up and he told me about the Barretts. And I was just stunned. I was like all ears. And we were going to talk back then and some guess life happens. Mm -hmm. And I didn't hear from you, and it's not that I didn't forget about you, but, you know, I certainly wasn't going to push myself right. on you, right? Correct. Well, just a few days ago, they texted me while we were on our way to pick up Honey, her baby Ginger, and take them to Star Love. So, you texted me at that same moment. It was like the universe opened up this, like, dump of <laughs> ranchers trying to change the way they live in our lap. And I'm so grateful to Sean, because you and I spoke, Rodney was there, and it was real apparent to me that you guys were really wanting to to do the right thing. We we laughed together, we cried together, and because of that letter, me and Ryuji came here. I mean, it was obvious that we were going to turn right around from Giddings and come to Wicks, Arkansas. <laughs> I can't believe it still. I mean, me and Ryuji in the car driving nine hours, you know, him sleeping most of the time. By the way. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, we got here. But, I, you know, but, but, but on a serious note, I remember feeling so discouraged, so depressed when I started waking up because I'm a cattle rancher's wife and I'm not supposed to go vegan. I'm supposed to support this honorable lifestyle, this way of life that, you know, where you're feeding the American breadbasket, so to speak, right? Where this is what you do. And my husband always tell me, told me, Renee, you know, stop naming them cows. You got to stop crying about this, you know, because this is what we do. You just got to suck it up. Basically pull up those big girl panties. Mm -hmm. And I just could never do it. I, I kept crying and I kept being really upset about it. But I wasn't vegan because mm -hmm. I was trying to live in that hypocrisy. I was trying to live in the hypocrisy. I wasn't even vegan trying to do this. I was trying to live with the hypocrisy of knowing I love these animals. I was having these feelings for these animals. But yet I could not do anything about it. I felt trapped in the system. Trapped yes. in the tradition. Trapped in the culture. And I know that we've related on those points. Which is why it's so important. The Ranchers Advocacy Program. What we're doing is there's no way that another person, if they're not, if they haven't been in this tradition or this culture, can grasp the undertones and the underbelly of this way of life. You know, it's 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 so different. You know, when you feel like you have to participate, yes, yeah, you have to turn off that switch. Well, I tell you the. Living, like you said, in that hypocrisy, once you, once you learn truth and, and do the research on yourself, 
like I did, like Jenny did, and you find out that it's all culture driven. It's it's all been basically bred into us that this is the way you have to live. And this is what you have to eat. There's cows, chickens, pigs, animals. Yeah. But once you actually experience what I went through and you go through that change and you get that education on what the system is doing to so many people, I mean, everyone, uh, from processed food to animal protein, and it's causing so much disease and so much hurt. I mean, I'm a living proof of it. Uh, seven years. Uh, actually, three years in complete remission, no symptoms whatsoever. And the people that I have wow. talked to, the uh, information that I have been given the privilege to learn about animal agriculture and what's happening around the globe, people need to know it. People like myself that grew up eating deer meat, meat, beans, and taters every single day for 35 years. And folks, we can make a difference. We can make a huge, huge difference by changing this farm into something that's more uh, sustainable than just compacting the earth with more hooves that we have to feed that is hurting society. Uh, this this is a new beginning. It is a new beginning. This is it a new you, beginning. Well, I mean, Bryuji, what do you have to say? I'm curious right now. You're just taking all this in, and I just am real curious about what you're thinking. Yeah, there are a couple of things that I actually wanted to say before the episode started, but I'm going to say them now anyways. <laughs> which is, well, I wanted to say them at the beginning, but... First of all, I just want to say that uh, Jennifer and Rodney are such incredible people. Not just because of what they're doing. I know we talked a lot about what they're up to and where they're going, but as people, they're so kind. I remember coming here and I was like, whoa, these people are so nice to me. What's going on right now? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, they're just s such incredible people, so open, so visionary, s so kind and compassionate. Uh, so you're you're incredible. And the past few days for me have been so incredible, meeting them and learning so, so much. I mean, I've learned so much about what you have been doing, about where you're going, about animal agriculture in general, uh, more than I have in a long time because I'm hearing these firsthand accounts yes. from you. And what I'm seeing is that, yes, what you're doing, the work you're doing is so important for where this movement is going. And also, you know, so many things I heard from you, I'm like, I want your voice to be heard in the community, not just in, also in the vegan community to educate them, but also in the world. I think it's so important. And I think you have such a powerful voice because you come from experience. I mean, I was telling you the other day that a lot of things that you talk about, whether it be your journey as a farmer, how chickens are raised, et cetera, et cetera. I can talk about them, but at the end of the day, I'm just a kid who read some article on the internet <laughs> or saw, saw some video. That, that's all I'll ever be, essentially, wow. which, which, is, which is fine. But you have like 18 years of doing this and that's where your words come from and I think when you come from that place your words carry a different weight it's like I tell people one of the reasons that I go to slaughterhouses to bear witness with the save movement is so that when I talk to people I can tell them hey 
I've been to slaughterhouses. I've met these animals. I actually looked at them, look, looked them in the yeah. eyes, and I've, I've seen them. And that way, my, my words carry a different weight from, oh, I just watched some videos on the internet. Mm-hmm. But you bring it to a whole different level, which, I, which is why I think it's so important for you to talk to the world. I mean, I, like, I think the impact you could have on the world is... I, I can't even imagine, begin to imagine the impact that you could have on the world. Uh, so that's one thing I wanted to say. Another side note to kind of go meta, I know we've had so many conversations over the past few days in which I told you already I learned so much. And that's part of what I want to I want to bring up for our audience because I think a lot of them could benefit from learning all this. Um, so I just wanted to say that if there's anything that you want to say, but we've talked about it before, just imagine that like we didn't hear anything. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like <laughs> don't. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about repeating yourself from like yesterday or two days ago because we're talking to we're, uh-huh. we're talking amongst ourselves, but we're also talking to a lot of other people. Um, but yeah, one thing that. I really wanted to ask you about, and I was thinking this as you were telling your story, is the farmer's point of view. Um, you've talked a bit about like the animal's point of view and, and, and things like that, and you and you already touched on this a little bit um, by talking about what it's like being a farmer in this industry. But I would love to ask you, what has your journey been like? Because I know you talked about when you first started farming, it was it was a certain way. You know, you were. Um, raising 69,000 chickens. I know that by, by the end, you were at 100,000. And I know during that whole journey, um, it hasn't been an upwards, kind of like happy, happy journey, but it's, it's kind of been a downward spiral in some way. Um, so I would love if you could talk about that journey to shed light on what it's like being a farmer in the United States. Well, uh, in short, it's go big or go home. I mean, in all honesty, the more... The more that you have, the more cash flow you have, uh, <laughs> the further your property goes, the the more you have to take care of. I mean, it's just, it's the word more. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And over the last 18 years, you know, we, we bought into the system building these houses because we we believed it to be the right thing. Those poultry barns you're talking about. The poultry barns. Okay. Okay. Growing up, raising... uh, My my grandfather was in the dairy business. He had 18... uh, I think it was 18 dairy cows. I was extremely small. I grew up in that farming community. Good people. Honest working, hard working people. Taking care of animals for a living. That was was part of their Mm -hmm. living. It's how we live. Right. And then... Now, at, at 52, the last seven years, uh, the change and the the difference in what we're doing now, or what we're going to do in the future, it, how, how do I want to put that? It, we can't keep making ourselves ill. All right. The the illness is what actually started our process of change and seeing something different and what's happening with our animal agriculture business. I want to say something because you you touched on a point that is so profound. Connie Spence is the, you know, she's the one that created the Vegan Justice League. She's known as the Vegan Bat Girl. She's really fighting the farm bill. 
And those of you out there that don't know Connie Spence, we recently did a podcast on uh, with Connie. Was it our last interview? Or it was. We... Our, it was episode two. It's called "More Animals Equals No." Sorry, "More Vegans Equals More Animals mm-hmm. Dying." Yes. Question mark. Exclamation mark. That's the name of the right. episode. Yes, because and, that and... farm bill. Because that farm bill. What it. What, what it. What it's amounting to is big ag really ain't for the small farmers. No, no, big ag is not for the little guys. No. They, you like you said, you either go big or you go home, and well, that's a fact. They're feeding, they're feeding the the slaughterhouses in in reference to feed people. Okay, it's supposed to be nutrition for humanity, and that's the culture that we grew up, that we learned from children, is how we are supposed to be able to sur- survive mm-hmm. on the earth. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you go through what we went through and, and you go through this research and you find out that it's not, and that is what caused the problem to start with, along with the stresses of life and so on and so forth. But when you go through that and you learn the difference and you actually see the people that have done the studies that have looked at every culture across the globe based on nutrition and watched their health diminish whenever they have been introduced to animal agriculture. Western diet. The Western diet, the standard Western diet. Mm -hmm. They watched and, and seen cancer. They watched diabetes. They've watched every health issue period increase on the increase of animal protein inputs into the human body. Wow, isn't that something? And then right behind it is your pharmaceuticals. And at the same time, you can reverse the damages by going plant-based and taking the animal proteins out of the body system. I, we couldn't be that. We couldn't be that anymore. We yeah. could. We couldn't be that for society anymore. Yeah. We had to change. Yeah. We couldn't live in that system that we know for a fact, based on the circumstances that we went through personally with with health issues. That's why that's why we're doing what we're doing. One other thing that I want to ask you is something that we as vegans get a lot actually when we talk to people and they'll talk about the choice of the farmer. And you know, they'll say things like Oh, because one thing that we're trying to bring out through two rowdy vegans is empathy towards people who work in the animal mm. agriculture industry, yes. which I think is very important for many different reasons, which we've talked about many times. But despite that, it's interesting. I'll put out little clips and I'll talk about this, and then people say, "No, but I, I can't forgive those people who who work in the industry because they have a choice and they're killing mm. animals and they're doing this. They should just get another job." Mm. Yeah, I'm like it's, it's not that simple. Like hello, like the world is not that, that black and white. But if you had to either talk to someone who said something like this or rather because I know that a lot of our audience probably have a lot of people telling them this kind of stuff that, yo, you know, well, farmers should just get other jobs if they, if they feel, they might, they'll, they'll hear things like farmers love their animals and they'll be like, if that's the case, then they should stop killing them. They'll say things like they don't because they're killing their animals. It's not true. And I'm like, <laughs> thank you for bringing you know, this up. Thank no, you. And, 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 it, and it's so important because after meeting people who work in the animal agriculture industry, I'm like, these people understand the inner lives of animals more than I ever could. Yeah. And when they say they love animals, it's not a joke. No. It, it's, it's true. And saying things like, oh, they should just get another job or 
oh, they're, they're, you know, they're bad people because they're killing. It's, it's not that simple. So how would you educate the community into really understanding that and talking about that topic? Great, great question. Well, first of all, we did consider getting another job. Like I, I, I would never sell my farm. I just don't think I could. But there was a time when it was so dark for me raising these chickens that I thought maybe it would be better to just sell out and go somewhere else. But that doesn't stop the problem. Mm-hmm. Somebody else comes in and the chickens, the you know, the chicken houses just keep staying in operation. And um, so that just wasn't, I'm like, it's like being in a marriage and you don't just walk out on it. Yeah, you don't know. You and, don't realize how many times that we sat at this table and sit here looking at one and go, what are we going to do? What, you know, how, how are you going to fix this problem that we have right now? But to speak on uh, the farmers, to speak for the farmers, for myself, um, you're right. We do love animals. We love the land, uh, salt of the earth, best America has to offer. We're hard workers. This community, if somebody gets in trouble, they come to help. My parents, oh, yeah. burned, their house burned down uh, yeah. uh, and several years ago. It's been a long time ago. And um, my dad was in the middle of cutting hay. People showed up with hay balers and rakes and got it done for him. Um, they will arrange uh, fundraisers and benefits for people benefits? who are suffering and sick and need cancer. We We help each other and that's what good honest hard-working people that just don't know the truth they don't have the same education that we've been and even blessed if they, with and even if they did even I, I some people are so um i heard a quote that was like not understanding this you, you don't understand this because your livelihood depends on you not understanding yeah, exactly and exactly. i yes. say that one more time your livelihood depends on you not understanding. Did y'all get that? Oh, wow. Yeah. The livelihood depends on you not understanding. And that's why I decided to just be a hypocrite for a while because we had this huge fiscal responsibility. You're tied into it um, and you you can't get out. That's what happened to me. It was yeah. that. It was yeah. exactly that. that you, my, you know, our livelihood depended on yes. me not understanding it. Yes. But, but for God's sakes, you know, I'm the type of person that I've got to, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go against my husband, right? right? But I'm going to try to do the research to figure out how I can feel better about it. Mm-hmm. You know, as if, you know, right. trying to feel better about being exactly. in animal ag. How can yes. I feel better about it? Yes. Going humane, getting my yes. dairy from a local dairy, all my cheese, all, all my butter, all yep. my stuff. Being trying to feel better and better about it. But right. each step of the way, stumbling on more research that kept knocking me down. Exactly. Yes. You know, that's what happened that, to That's me. exactly mm-hmm. what happened. Yep. That's exactly it's what happened. so amazing. Verbatim. Yeah. It's, it's just exactly what happened. I mean, I got to a point to where I was literally losing my mind. I did. I ended up in the hospital. Yeah. Well, I did December. lose my mind, yeah. actually. And I, and I always say, thank God I lost my mind because yes. that one is gone and welcome to the new normal. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to the new normal. Isn't it a great place to be? It is. It is. It is. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> Santa's on his sleigh. da 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 We have this thing going where every episode Renee starts singing, singing. and then I think I think that she's just gonna sing like the little chorus, but then she just keeps, keeps going. going. And I'm like, okay, I, I guess I guess we're I guess we're doing this now. Um, but wow, that was so profound what you just said because one of the things that we talk about in the community with the general public is that the general public consuming animal products depends on them not knowing many things, yes. whether it be about the impact of animal products on their health the impact of animal agriculture on the in, uh, on the environment 
or the way that animals are treated, the way that animals are processed today, most people don't know that. And in many ways, the industry surviving and animal agriculture surviving depends on a lot of people not, not knowing. knowing that. Not only not knowing, but painting themselves a picture that is very pretty. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was so profound when you said that because it shed light on how, well, you know, it's not because, because you talked about this too the past few days, which is there are many things that you didn't know as well as a farmer even working in the industry. And on top of that, what I'm uncovering is that as a farmer, you also tell yourself a story. One thing that I talk a lot about is how this is not my, those, those are not my ideas, but the point is the way that humans work is we tell ourselves stories. And when we tell ourselves a story that's told to us by the things that are around us, we'll find evidence to support that story. Yes. And what I'm uncovering is that, you know, yeah, well, farmers also have a story that they tell themselves as well even though they might be closer to what they're they might be closer to the animals than say a consumer they still have the story that they're telling themselves whether it be oh I'm, I'm feeding the country i'm doing a good thing i'm, I'm a hard worker etc 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 um so, so i think that's super insightful to be empathetic towards farmers and people who work in animal ag because they're they're people too and this is how people work this is how human beings work yeah when you consider too that our entire country was founded on farming I mean, even the even the politics, as Connie Spitz uh, educated us on, you know, five or four out of five of our very first presidents were farmers. Mm -hmm. So our entire country was founded on the farming community. This is it was a good way to live. Let's let's do this. It's, you know, let's let's really help the farming, help the farmers. But what's happened? It's become very very perverted. The farming industry has gone from something that was perceived as very good to something that's very dark, hidden. You can't see. I mean, when we were coming up here to uh, Arkansas a couple of days ago, I literally thought, oh my God, where are we going? It looked like a haunted, like we were going down some haunted road and that we, I mean, it was dark. And all along the way, we saw chicken houses. We saw those poultry barns, but those weren't empty like the four twenty-one thousand square feet plus poultry barns that are sitting over here at the Barrett's for 21,000 square feet poultry barns empty. It is so eerie. When you look inside of them barns, you're like, I mean, I can just imagine because I've seen the footage, but I've never seen the barns. Mm -hmm. And it just was so compelling to me when I thought of Daisy. I was telling you about the story of Daisy, our broiler chicken that came to us that I know was a good 20, 25 pounds when she died. Could not walk. She took a couple steps and she would just splay and fall, you know, but she had a will to live. That chicken had a will to live. I think of Lulu, the, the chicken we just lost recently that loved her life, that wanted to be you know, with her friends, you know, with all the chickens at Rowdy Girl. Loved their, these chickens love their life. They want to live. They want to experience the sunlight. They love to get in the, in the dirt, you know, and, and, and do their little dust baths. And they love to just roam around and be a chicken. And so what we have done is we have prevented chickens, cows, sheep, goats, Turkeys, lambs, ducks, dogs, horses, the list goes on and on, and even humans. We have prevented them from being who they are. 
because we have commodified them. We have commodified them. We have restrained them. We have restricted them. We have forced them in a position to where they're only serving our pocketbooks. And, and to add on that point, you said that that broiler chicken who grew so fast, it's very easy as vegans to look at what's happening to animals and then blame the farmers for it. And blame people like you, because that's probably what a lot of vegans would picture. Be like, what, what, why are you doing this to the chickens? But it's not because of you that those chickens are having horrible lives. You're not the one who is genetically modifying them, because that's what—that's exactly what's happening. Where the chickens are being genetically modified to the point where they grow so fast, so that they can reach market weights in six weeks or however, however between 35 days and 45 days, like around that that range, and they're genetically modified to grow that fast in that amount of time, and that's the root of many of their problems. Of course, we don't want to get away from the fact that it's inherently wrong to exploit them, so, so we understand that. But as far as you know, their, their lives go, um, that's, that's what happens. And on top of that, as we learned from Kanye as well, you know, these small farmers, or the, the people who are actually in the farms with the animals, those people are not winning from any of this. <laughs> no, you know? they're not. Yeah, and I, I think it's I think it's it's so crazy, kind of like realizing all this and uh, learning about all this because you realize that the, the problem is so deep and that we have to attack this on a system level. Yes, it's systemic. Um, the, yeah. They they call it a lifestyle. Mm. Okay, in in our community, doing what we have been doing. I don't think there's anybody out there that's doing the same thing that will tell you you're gonna you're gonna make a lot of money, or you're you're gonna you're gonna have a, you know, a great life, out there, raising a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand chickens or or, the, I don't think there's anybody that's gonna just say that hey you're you're just gonna have a blast going out there and doing that and make bukus of money and be able to pay for your farm. Uh, we we're living proof of that too. I mean, we thought we we could do it on paper. We we drew all those numbers out based on uh, what they were paying us, and and it it drew out on paper that it was okay, and and it would be safe financially financially. <laughs> but then you add everything that goes with it, and you see the actual numbers once you start doing it, and you buy into it. That those numbers end up being false yeah. from from the initial numbers based on time uh, actually doing the job based on the environment um, the, and the changes that it causes inside there from start to finish uh, the you know ammonia in the chicken oh houses. god just the smell of it when we were in there uh, yesterday you know that's that's an issue that you have to address to be able to, to to give the chickens a, a really good place, air quality, it means a lot. You know, there's there's a, so much to raising a chicken. Those were the only things that we were responsible for. He right. was asking if we, you know, it, it's not us that's, you know, growing a, a oh, or making, making a big chicken. I we're see not, what you're we're not genetically modifying them. No, you're right. Them. You're it's, right. Um, you know, we're responsible for, uh, we, we built our houses due to uh, industry standard. Right. Um, right. And they 
have a standard practice that you have to have in place if you're going to compete and make money. So that's what we did. I mean, it wasn't like, you right. know, it was completely out of our control. We could control the little things like the lighting and the water yeah. and, you know. Yeah, I see where you're going. What? Air quality and things like that. Right. But, yeah. Yeah, that's, the computers and everything that they put on the houses these days, you know, you can set that up that it's the best you can make it. And you can really do a good job going in there, taking care of everything to make the conditions in there as, I mean, pristine as you can possibly do that. Which to, is still and, and that's what we And <laughs> that's what we had to do to get the bird to grow off as fast as we could do it to try to make... Well, you know what's interesting to me? I just want to say this because I've got before because I because okay. sure, you got to sure. understand that I'm like I'm, I'm listening to this because as a, as former cattle ranchers, it was it was similar but not the same because you know you know when you when you sell your calves to a cell barn, you don't know which feedlot they're going to. It's not like no, it's not like you know exactly not where cow. those cows are going right. and and. And you know they're you know they're leaving forever and they're not with their families anymore and you just keep producing over and over right. and over and over. you know you're in that system right but you know what they're even doing now uh, even in the cattle ranching business you know so that you can actually know when you're going to these big stores that have all these uh, these great you know meat products so called meat products that are humane they're even grading different levels of humane now yeah. oh, wow. and so and so you can actually become a humane meat farmer you know that's the quote the humane meat farmer and you can actually tie into big producers big uh companies mm -hmm. uh and be a cattle operation now if as long as you are doing certain things on your farm to meet certain standards not with the buildings mm -hmm. and stuff like that but to meet certain standards with your animals so that they marble just right so that you know they're so that when they go to they're eating a certain kind of grass whatever so when they go to slaughter they're going to yield a product that the consumer will think is better than just your common everyday cow, you know, cow meat. And it's so interesting how how this industry... It's the, a name brand. The ones at the top. Mm -hmm. the, see, the farmers aren't making any money anymore. Mm -hmm. the, look, the, the, the common farmers, they're not making any money because the ones at the top are dictating how it's done. They're the ones making the money. And they're squeezing the, the guys down at the bottom as much as they can to get as much as they can out of them, to hold them down, to get them hooked in to where they have no other way to do it, no other way to go except to keep doing the same miserable job. I, I know chicken yeah. farmers uh, that are still raising chickens uh, that are not paid off that are 40 plus years old. Still not paid off. You build new ones, and they don't get paid off. It looks like it's going to, but it, I know very few people that actually get out of it. And to step out and to actually close down our chicken houses was scary AF. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, was yeah it was frightening because we have such debt that um, it's it seemed like there's no way out. And that's the way I felt trapped. Yeah. No way out. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And that's yeah. where the rancher that's advocacy. The way, that's, that's where the they want you. That's where the rancher advocacy program. We're doing everything in our power right now with our coalition, with our subject matter experts to create the way. We're getting technical writers in place to create the manuals, the kits, uh, you know, the models, what all is necessary. We, we will follow this transition, this model all the way from start to finish. That's why we're here. Still here. Ryuji came with me. Bless his heart. This kid, you know, my cohort in uh, 
my rowdy vegan cohort, you know, came with me all the way here. I just want to, you know, I just want to take a minute on camera, really, because I don't think I've, I've said just how much I appreciate you coming out here with me to document this amazing story. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really glad you're here too. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because the Rancher Advocacy Program is also making history here this weekend because we are actually following our heart. When I heard the when I heard the plea, I was if I would have listened to my head, I would have not been here. I would have missed the miracle. I would have missed the miracle. We would have missed the miracle. It's amazing how one decision to do the next right thing can change history forever. Mm -hmm. And talking about history and what's to come, I want to ask you, when you successfully transition out of animal agriculture and you have established your veganic business, how do you think, and, and you go to your community because I know that you're part of this community, how do you think that people around you will react, people in the community? I've thought about that a lot, and I, um, I tried to see it from my own perspective. Mm. If I right. had not transitioned, if I had yeah. not woken up, how I would feel if I heard that another chicken farmer had shut their chicken houses down and were trying to pursue another route. I would be so intrigued. I would be like, go, 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 find us another way. Yes! <laughs> you know, um, help us to get out. Like I said, we felt trapped. And the other chicken farmers that I know, I know they feel trapped too. They are sick. They are in debt. They are working their asses off and not getting paid for it. And if I can be a light and if we can build out something, when we build out something, yes, to show them another way, they're absolutely... Some people may uh, make fun of us or some people may think that we're crazy and that's okay. Yay! <laughs> Okay. I'm okay. only concerned with the people who want help and who need out and to be a light for them and to show a way to actually do it, like tangible way to get out of it. That is one of the biggest things in this transformation on this farm that we're looking forward to is to helping anybody else that wants to transition into something different like we're doing. And, like, and so y'all are going to be... In our rancher advisory committee, because you qualify as, as ranchers, as former ranchers and farmers. So as we as we document this amazing transformation of not only the mushroom farm, of the hemp farm, but also how that we save the lives of all these animals, as we are able to document how this whole process works, you are going to learn with us and become another advocate for ranchers. How does that Feel. It's awesome. It you really know? is. It really is an awesome thing. I mean, and it's not just healing the earth and the and animals. It's healing people. It is. It's healing people. It is healing people and because people don't know what they don't know. Tommy, my husband, says that all the time. You know, he says, "I just didn't know what I didn't know, mm -hmm. and yeah. I can't unknow can't what unknow. I know." Yeah. What I know now, I can't unknow it. That's right. You can't unlearn it. You you just can't do it. And you know, I want to speak just for a minute, Ruji, if you don't mind, to that to the farmers helping y'all. You know how everybody comes to, to your aid. You bet. How farmers really do. They love their animals. They love they love people. They are doing what they really think they want to do in the world. I want to speak to this because, you know, the last two years we were flooded at Rowdy Girl Sanctuary. And people that drive trailers to sell barns, 
helped us. Uh, cowboys, veteran rodeos, helped us. It was, it was, there was no lines. It wasn't like, well, no, they're vegans, so I'm not going to come help y'all. When we were in need, people that are in this business, cowboys, you know, trailer, people that drive track, transportation folks that drive trailers to sell barns, other ranchers were at our aid. They didn't say, no, we're not helping you because you're vegans. In fact, just the other day, when we had our hay delivered, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, thanks to y'all that helped us get the hay on Giving Tuesday, we met with a fella, his name is Buzz, and he has a pre-sale feedlot. I had never heard of this. This is where farmers go to dump their calves before they actually go to a feedlot. Mm -hmm. They go to learn how to be in a feedlot. And this man was very interested in veganism. He wanted to know more. He said, you know, Renee, I, nobody, no, no other vegan will ever talk to me. And I've tried, but no vegan will even give me the time of day. And do you know me and him had a conversation? And he's even willing to be on the Two Rowdy Vegans podcast? Wow. Would that not be amazing? <laughs> wow. Huh? Yes, it would. Can you imagine transforming not only ranchers and farmers, but also owners of feedlots, slaughterhouses? It's coming. Get ready. It's going to come. It's coming. The, once once this starts igniting, the, it's going to be just like a, a, a match on very, very dry, brittle, brittle, brittle straw. Because it's over. It's over, really. Because mm -hmm. what I'm seeing from my perspective is that you coming from the ranching community is so powerful in talking to people who work in the industry and getting them to open up. Because, you know, there, th this is so interesting what you're saying. And I think it's so important to talk about this because so many people just, it, it's just like the world is not that black and white. No. People are not that black and white. It's not because something does something that's morally not justifiable that they're a bad person. It, it's, it's just not that black and white. Like you said, people can work in the animal agriculture industry and do things to animals that I would never justify. I would never say you, you can justify that. But at the same time, they're, they're very nice people and they love their families. Um, so so it's, it's just not that black and white. And to bring it home to a lot of the, not, I don't want to say quote unquote regular people, but people who don't work in the animal agriculture industry, you see that too. For example, you can be vegan and love animals, but then uh, you you could hurt your partner in a, rom in a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just not black and white. So that's yeah. I, I think I think it's important to uh, touch on that. And uh, actually, to be honest, I, I forgot the second point I was going to make. <laughs> well, you know, you were talking about how important it is to be able to have the wherewithal, the depth, to be able to talk to farmers and ranchers. Because oh, if you don't, yeah, and, yeah, no. And and what I was going to say about that that match igniting is that I'm seeing that. Wait a second. People who work in the animal agriculture industry want to be able to see a different way. Yeah. And w because what I've seen is when you open up to them, they open up. I'm not saying the general you. I'm saying you, Renee, specifically. Oh. I'm saying like people in the industry because you, you were a former rancher's wife. So when we went to that ranch the other day and we talked to that rancher's wife and the rancher because the rancher's wife is the one who contacted us. And we were talking to them. They started opening up. And I witnessed this and I was like, this is this is insane. And then I'm seeing people like you changing, who you've been in the industry for 18 years, and then you've changed. Tom, I don't know how long. Like Tommy grew up in a family of, of ranchers, essentially, mm -hmm. and people like that are changing. And when I see that, I'm like, 
like the change is actually coming. What I said in the previous episode is that this shows me that it's, it's like proof that things are happening. Um, but it's, it's also, you know, for me, it shows something very powerful about who we are as human beings, because I truly believe that at our core, we are compassionate people. Silesh talked about this in, in last week's episode. But, you know, the idea that ranchers, people who work in the animal agriculture industry, are very compassionate people who love their animals. To give you an, an idea, because just now I said that these people know more about the inner lives of animals. I mean, I've had conversations with all, like, all these people that I've met, whether it be Tommy, the ranchers that we met last week, with you, where you talked about your animals and you gave me insights on those animals that... I, like I would have never, you know, b- I would have never known that. And when you tell me about, oh, like the different cows and how you can tell them apart and how you love being out with your cows, and uh, you know, and and Tommy the other day who went up to a calf who was not doing too well and kind of like diagnosed like h- how she was doing and, and being like this is probably what happened and, and blah, blah blah. And I was like, wow, like you know, like yeah, yeah, this is real. And like you said, if you go back to who you were as a child. What, I, what I'm seeing is that it's so possible for these people to open up and to go back to who they really were, to really loving animals. And I'm like, it seems like the leap is so far, but it's also like right there. No, because when you are like in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, when you're in recovery, uh, when you're an alcoholic and you're needing help, you're not going to go talk to somebody that's never drank alcohol. Right? right? You right. know, you can't even relate to that person, can right. you? I mean, and so, and so it's the same thing here. You know, when a rancher is... Uh, wanting to discuss the way they feel about animals, but they have to also be in this industry. Uh, they're probably going to want to talk to somebody that's been a rancher and and is now not in that industry anymore and doing the, and doing what's something that they would love to consider doing. You know what 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 a great great world we live in that we can actually support, have a support system yes. in in this world of what we're doing. Because I'm thinking about Howard Lyman right now when I went vegan. And I think I told y'all this story. I know where you, I've told where you, G, but I think I told y'all too. That Howard Lyman was the one. Because I had nobody to talk to. You know, when I started having this transformation. And I began to have my feelings on my, not, 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 not even on my sleeve. But all over on the outside of my body. I really, I was calling Tommy a murderer. Mm-hmm. Every day. Oh, probably four or five times a day. I would go around through the house. I would see all these deer heads and everything hanging around. This elk. And I would go, you're a murderer. Look at these animals staring at me. I can't stand it. I mean, I was just so in this place of, um, you know, I just could not stand it. I felt horrible by it. And so when I finally got to talk to Howard Lyman, you know, he put me in my place. Basically, and told me that I needed to have the same compassion for my husband that I was having for these animals. And see, as vegans, we need to start having the same compassion for farmers and ranchers and the people in this industry that we think are the enemy as we do for the animals. We have to, you know, we seriously have to start having the same compassion. It's essential that we open up our hearts and minds to realize that people are animals too. Yeah, on a philosophy level, you know, it's interesting to me because I'm like, the whole point of the vegan movement is to create peace, unity, love, compassion, all these inclusive, positive things. That's all it's about. And to me, I don't understand how we are going to create that 
by anything other than that. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense. I'm like, how are we going to be like, you should be peaceful towards animals while we're smashing things being angry. It, it, yeah. it, doesn't, make, it doesn't make sense to me. Exactly. Yeah. You know, which is, which is not, by the way, against direct action necessarily. For example, if you look at organizations like DXC, they're about taking direct action, things well, like sure. walking into farms or, or doing disruptions. But... They're non-violent direct action. Yes. Uh, And I was speaking to Anita Kreis, the founder of the SAVE movement, which is also a love-based peaceful organization. And I was talking to her about her inspirations because she's very well read. I mean, she's a scholar. And uh, she's studied social change and, and people who have really transformed the world. And she has told me that, you know, one of the reasons that the SAVE movement is a love-based movement is because when she looks at people like Gandhi, like uh, Martin Luther King Jr., those people have transformed the world through an overall love-based approach. Yep. And that was her inspiration. And uh, that's where I take my inspiration as well, which is why I'm, I'm like, yo, empathy. I just changed my Instagram bio to peace and love always forever. You <laughs> because did. I, I, really, I really believe in that. Mm. You I know really what's really interesting, so uh, Ryuji? You know, for you to be 22 and... To have such a heart for not only the animals, but for farmers and ranchers. For you to open up to this. Uh, your voice is so crystal. I mean, you're just so clear. You know, the way, the, the, the community you're reaching. That's why it's, the two rowdy vegans, I think it's just, it's just so near and dear to my heart. You know, it's because together we're reaching so many different people. You know, it's like unbelievable. You know, here we are, you know, with Ozzy and Harriet and over here. You probably don't even remember Ozzy and Harriet, (laughs) but you know, (laughs) how about leave it to Beaver? Uh, (laughs) June and uh, what's his name? What was his name? June and Beaver Cleaver, whatever it is. But you know, there was things that happened in the old days. And then here you are bringing in, ushering in this new generation of thought. And you're doing it with such clarity, with such vision, with such a heart. I just want to say... God, and to, you know, really, it just, uh, it just blows my mind. I, I'm, I'm aware of it just about every second. Mm, thank you yeah. so much. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Wow. We talked about so many incredible things we on did. this episode. That was so eye-opening for me. I'm sure for you who's listening as well, this was incredibly eye-opening. Um, is there anything that you want to ask uh, Rodney and Jennifer? Is there anything that you want to add before we close this off? Any remaining thoughts? Uh, anything you would like to say? Our audience, if, if you want to be aware, our audience is mainly vegans um, around the world. Um, yeah, just the vegan community. So, You know, the only last thing I'd like to say is that, you know, as a farmer and being raised how I was uh, on meat protein, I'm not here to, to bash the meat industry. Right. You know, I'm not trying to 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 cause riff between anybody. I I want the truth to be known. Uh, and and maybe people could understand that they've got their own experience that they have to go through, and they they have to make their own decisions. Uh, this is just one one thing uh, that I believe wholeheartedly that. We can make a, a really big change here for and and the education people need to to really start looking in to their health, mm-hmm. uh, their land, uh, 
and really analyze what it is that they're doing because of the problems that it's causing around the globe. Mm-hmm. And that and that's that's not with the globe itself, it's within themselves. And whenever they figure it out and they, they get information like we've said so many times in this podcast, you can't unlearn it. And you can't turn, once you really understand it and what's happening, not only can you not unlearn it, but you'll, you're, these, these farmers and ranchers are going to figure it out that they probably are not going to be able to live with it either and to continue doing something that when you learn the truth, it ain't right. Yeah, and you know, and you you really make a valid point, you know, and you know these companies, and um, there's some pharmaceutical companies that I heard of, and you know, there's others, but you know, they're starting to see that you know plant based mm-hmm. meat options are are the way of the future. They're they're actually buying stock sure. in it, sure, you I know, mean, and they're buying out the companies. You and bet, so, you bet, they are. So they know, and so what? So what's going to happen when? The CEO of these companies starts going vegan because <laughs> I believe it's possible. That's going to happen, and so then you're going to see some more radical change. And who are the heck are we? We are the we are two. Who? The two. That two. Rowdy. Rowdy vegans. Two, two, two 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 rowdy vegans. Two. Two rowdy vegans, one plus one equals two rowdy vegans. <laughs> <laughs>